Like I said, before I get started, I want to apologize for my actions the last time I stood before you. Me trying to sing just wasn't right, I'm sorry, but I, I just couldn't help it. I, I'll try not to do it again. But it's interesting, this morning, Sister Jan, you know, taught on the, the, the importance and often misuse of the written word. Well, tonight, and this is just by coincidence, it's not planned, I want to talk and hopefully preach a message of, entitled, The Power of Your Words and How They Affect You. Because, you know, the spoken word is probably one of the most powerful things, to, and we've all had a mother, grandmother, aunt, quite often our wives can shut us down with just one word. Mm-hmm. And I, what we think of ourselves, originally this message is going to be titled, What You Think of Yourself and Why. But as I got to study these scriptures, it dawned on me, it's really just everything we say. In fact, I think there's a scripture that says we'll give account for every idle word every we speak. Word. So that's why eternity is so long, especially for people like me. I'm a talker, always have been, probably I've been told I talk entirely too much. But before we get into this, really what I, what I hope to accomplish tonight is to show us how what we say about ourselves, what we say to others, and what we hear, the spoken word, how it shapes our attitude, how it shapes who we are, and it starts from childhood. You think of, now, I don't know how it is so much now, but when I was a little boy, Edwin might, I'm 62, most of you probably heard it before, little girls are made out of sugar and spice and everything nice. Or little boys. <laughs> snails, <laughs> snails, uh, snails and puppy dog tails. Yeah. All the bad, slimy stuff. Yeah. Snails are slimy. And not only that, think about how we do, especially those of you that have little girls, fess up, go show daddy how cute you are in that little dress. You're just a little princess. Oh, you're so darling. But like in my house, and of course I don't have any granddaughters, so I can't be charged guilty of this. I have nothing but granddaughters. And wasn't around them, but, but little boys like, no, I think he just as mean as sin. <laughs> well, you're just as hard-headed as the day is. Like, Boy, you could tear up an iron anvil. So all those words sink in. And of course those are usually said in jest. But as we grow up, think about this now, church. When, when your parents, and some of us, and we've all heard this before, Boy, you ain't never going to, especially if you've been a little bit in trouble. Boy, you ain't never going to amount to anything. You're nothing but trouble. That's all you're ever going to be. If you think that doesn't affect you, you're wrong. You're wrong. So what, what should we, as a, especially once we're born, we can't do anything. Like I didn't get saved until I was 39 years old. And I had 39 years of speaking. I've shared this before, but this, this is the God's honest truth. I used to start my day by verbally usually saying this is going to be the worst day I've ever had. I literally said that to myself every morning. And the reason was, at the end of the day, it was never as bad as I thought. Mm-hmm. So I used negative, a negative statement every morning to make my day better. And I'm serious. I, I, I literally started every day for years of my life. This is going to be the worst day I've ever had. And at the end of the day, I always said, well, you know what, as bad as I thought, or sometimes it's worse than I thought. But I started my day out with the words that set the tone for my day. Like the brother said this morning, we ought to say the first words out of our mouth ought to be thank you. Thank you. The, the greatest, the most powerful words of faith that we can ever speak, when we go before God with our request, when we ask anything of God, if we truly have faith and believe in the words that we just prayed, whether they were silently or verbally, if we truly believe what we say and the words we speak to God, the last thing we say before we say amen is thank you. Amen. Thank amen. you is the most faith-filled word we can ever exercise. 
But we can't do anything about what's been said about us, what's been said to us, what we've said about ourselves. But once we get born again, there's something else we should do. And it's something David did, it's recorded in Psalm 139. And this is where we're going to start, Psalm 139. I'm going to read verse 1, and then skip over 23 and 24. When we get there, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 139. Most of you, it's very familiar to most of you. Give everybody just a minute, because, you know, I do believe in, and I appreciate turning to it, giving everyone time to look at the Word. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and turn. Psalms 139, verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Let's get down to verse 23. It's kind of, before I read that next two verses, please just stand for still for a moment. See, David starts out saying that God has searched him and God knows him. And you go and read that, it tells what God searched. But over here in verse 23, I think David has crying out to God because for whatever reason, David wanted to know. This is what I think of when I read these two verses. David wanted to know where he stood with God. And Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Please help me pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we just love you and praise you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. We thank you for each person who made the effort uh, to come out and hear this word. And Lord, just hide me behind the cross. Give me your word to heaven. Say, Lord, I know you placed this on my heart for a purpose. Maybe it's just for me, Lord. If it is, I receive it. Lord, if this if I have anything to say that will help someone else, let me say it with clarity, and we give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing, may be seated. As I said, David, I truly believe, verse 23 and 24, is David crying out to God because he wanted to know where he stood with God. So how often do we, and rightfully so, I think that's what's missing. As, and I'm also going on with David. This wasn't in my original thought. But, you know, David had Jonathan, a trusted after him. He was facing everything. But everybody should have someone that they can go to. And know what's said stays there. Everyone should have that relief. But what David was doing here, David was going out to the one that truly knew him. At the start of verse 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me. And know me so. So David already knew and acknowledged God had searched him, that God knew his thoughts. Then over here in verse 23, says, and, and notice what he doesn't say in verse 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And once again, the word hard here has nothing to do with that organ that pumps our blood. Hard is your mind and thought process, your emotions, your feelings. What David is asking God is, search my thoughts, and then show me if there be any wicked way in me. Not like us today. Many of us today, we want to know how good we've done. We want to know how... Uh, if, if we're doing enough. We want to know that everything we're doing is right and, and fitting. But David says, search me if there be any wicked way in me. What we should do, especially after we're born again, that should be our prayer. We've already confessed to the Lord what our sins are, whether they be a few or many. It doesn't matter. And once again, the power of your word. The heart is 
You know, like the brother said this morning, he's 100% right. It's hard to witness the family. But even the person that's even harder to witness to, with any effect, is the person that has never done anything wrong. That's thinking. And, you know, everyone's heard the old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It doesn't matter how good you are. Until you accept Christ and, and with your mouth, as it says in Romans, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you're saved. It's like I got saved. I was not in church when I accepted Christ. Yeah. I was home by myself. But it was, on, it was on like a Tuesday Wednesday. But that first Sunday, I was in church. I'm thankful that there was church. That the pastor said, does anybody have anything good to say about the Lord? And I stood up and said, well, I just accept the Lord as my Savior. If once you're truly saved, you're going to want to tell somebody about it. Amen. It's not that you're, and you should be instructed to. I hear a lot of ministry that say, well, if you just said this prayer, tell somebody about it. And we should. But you'll want to open your mouth and, and tell them. Right. If you have trouble, trouble telling people you're saved, you're probably not. Yeah. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. But once again, notice. David said, show me if there's any wisdom. He didn't want God to make him feel good about himself. He wanted to know. He didn't call his best friend. He didn't call his pastor. Hey, pastor, am I doing this right? You know, is this all right? Unfortunately, I'm so guilty of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you truly want to know your thoughts, why don't you go to the one that truly understands them? Because even your spouse... You're probably closer than your spouse could understand you better than anyone. But they truly don't know your thoughts. To be honest, and this is a scary thing, quite often we don't even know our thoughts. Because we have those blinders on us. I try to be honest with myself. And when I have that wrong thought, or when I let that one word slip from me that is wrong to say, I say, forgive me, Lord. You know, some people say there's no such thing as constructive criticism. I believe that is a person that just doesn't want to know the truth of himself. Because if you never are told you're wrong, you're going to think what you're doing is right. And I'm sorry, it hurts to be told you're wrong. You know, I can wear a t-shirt, I may be wrong, but I doubt it. That's truly how I feel. No one really wants to be told they're wrong. No one wants to be told they're on the wrong path. But we should be. But doesn't our scripture tell us if we see a brother in error and we correct him or turn him on the right path? Aren't we supposed to do that as Christians? But no, today's church is so politically correct, we don't want to offend anybody. I tell you, if I sit in church more than two or three services, and I don't get a little bit offended or my toes don't get set a little bit. Either one or two things have happened. Either I've hardened my heart yeah. or three things. Either I've hardened my heart or I think myself is so above everything or the pastor not doing their job. Because this word does offend. But let me paraphrase again. What did Jesus say? Do not think that I come to bring peace. What? Division. Authority. Okay, but what does the word say about misuse of the word? And I'm, I'm not talking about the written word. 
I'm talking about our word. When we miss because I truly believe, ladies and gentlemen, what we are told, what we hear about ourselves, even as adults, it would be nice to say once you're grown, you know, grow up and be a man. Don't don't let that affect you. But you have to be pretty callous not to have ever be affected by her for you may never admit it, you may never show it, but yet it affects you. Let's look at Matthew, the twelfth chapter, verses thirty-three and thirty-four. And you know, I may be stretching on this, but I truly believe what we're going to read here, what we say to people can affect them whether they be good or bad. And Matthew 12 and 33 says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And once again, that word heart is talking about your mind, your thoughts, your feelings. Misuse of the tongue. If all you ever hear is you're worthless, you're no good, you're probably going to think you're worthless and no good. Now, I so much was growing up didn't hear that. It's just until I was grown. See, so I wanted to go to college because I got a military. But because of my background, I was like, there's no need you trying to go to college here. How are you ever going to get a job? What's the use you're going to college? You quit school and let straight. Guess what? I believe that for a long time. But luckily, when I married Diana, she encouraged me. I was, think about the church, I was 48 years old and needed encouraged to go to school. And for whatever good it did, I excelled. But I let what other people said to me keep me from going. As a grown man, I let someone else's words keep me from doing what I want to do. And truth be told, we all do that one way or another. You know, it's, and once again, I may be stricken here, but I believe in light of verse 33, it says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. What we hear affects what we are. And isn't it interesting to me, if you look up there, I'm not going to read it because this isn't part of my message, but the unpardonable sin, what is it? Speaking. And we know the unpardonable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What is that but attributing several things, but the main way is attributing something of God or the Holy Spirit to Satan. That's by speech. Life and death is in the power of time. We'll look at that in a moment. But how we talk to people, and and this is maybe hard to, to understand or to realize, but I believe quite often we do this to pastors and preachers more than anything. Quite often we put pastors so high on a pedestal, either they can't live up to what we expect of them and they, and they fall or give up, or they get to believe in the hype and think they're above reproach. You know, I have to be careful. We're in a small town, but I've shared this with you before. We all know pastors, respected pastors, with flourishing churches that have had affairs. How can a man of God that preaches and led so many to the Lord stumble so? I don't know the answer to that, but is it possible... 
that we've hyped them up so much, they think they can do no wrong. I'm saying this for a reason, church. I know there's very few of us here, but, so be careful. How many of us have, when our children, how do I want to say this? You know, when I was little, I'm sorry, second was loser. Second was first loser. Everyone didn't get a trophy. You learned, well, you did good, baby, but, you know, you didn't win. Because one of my little granddaughters went to a beauty pad. She said, Mom, I'm going to win. All right, well, of course you're going to win, baby. Guess what? That child didn't even play. She was devastated. But, Mama, you told me I'd win. Mm. Was that Mama wrong in telling her that? Not in the essence, because she wanted to encourage her. But what did she do? She set her up for failure. Mm -hmm. And guess what? She would not do another pageant. Mm. Because she didn't win her first one. And she was so upset because someone told her her mother that she trusted, we quite often do that. There's a fine line between encouragement and false hope. And it's always with our spoken word. Once again, I say many of us are held back by not being encouraged, by being told we can't. But well, you know, because you're, and there are sometimes there's truth, and then again, the same respect, and I think it was kind of mentioned this morning. Not everyone's called to preach or teach. In fact, in the book of James, it clearly says, not many should, because we're going to be held to a higher standard. Not everyone should, no, I can't say thank you, Lord. See, even I can shut up. <laughs> but we have, when we're, when we step to this sacred pulpit, we need to know it's of God. But the same respect, I would rather, because, you know, I've heard so many times, well, I don't want to get in the flesh. I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I would rather say something and step out in the flesh, and it be, a, I'm talking about saying something good, or doing something good. It may be of the flesh, but I'd rather step out in the flesh and do something for the Lord, than not do it and it be of the Lord. Are you hearing me tonight? Mm-hmm. Classic example. I one time wanted to start a food ministry at a church I was at. And had the things lined up in the past. I said, well, let's just pray about that, brother. I said, what's there to pray about? We have people every week yeah. coming and asking us if we can help them with this or that. What's wrong with trying? He said, well, brother, if you start it, it'll be of you. But if the Lord starts it, it'll be of the Lord. How do we know that what I felt was Because mm-hmm. I was a young Christian then. Yeah. How do I know that wasn't the Lord? I'm, I'm going to be honest. Now, well, yeah, I'm just going to say it like this. I don't have any problem paying my tithes. I don't have any tr- trouble putting money off. But I don't really like just giving money away. I'm going to be honest with you. I work hard for my money. Mm-hmm. So when I give money, yes, it's, it's to the, the benefit of the Lord. But why would, what in me, what I'm saying is there was nothing in me that wanted to help the needy. Yeah. Isn't this, isn't that, isn't that what this says? Amen. In fact, this pastor, in the ER, I was the young Christian, this pastor told me, well, when the Lord speaks to me about this, we'll do this. I said, brother, he gave us a whole book full of instruction. He's told us repeated times, but because of words yeah. of someone I respected. And I thought, your pastor, you've got to do what he says. So guess what? That ministry wasn't started. So guess what? They were probably people went hungry and did without because I listen to words mm. of someone else. 
Oh, you don't think our words affect me? And I was a 40-year-old man. Probably 41 at this point, because I was the associate pastor. But words matter. Like I said, I'm not going to keep us long tonight. But when I think about this, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For from the tree, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now, you can't change. Oh, yeah, you can. Think about this. You, if you know what you're doing, you can take a tree that just doesn't produce real well, fertilize it right, trim it right, and it start producing. Can't we do the same thing with people? Is an encouraging word? There's a difference between an encouraging word and false hope. Yeah. Encourage that person that's down. Well, what do we want to do as a church? And we've all heard this. Yeah, someone comes, someone that's really notorious comes to the Lord. Uh, we'll see how long this lasts. Yeah. Oh yeah, he just got out of jail. He got some of that jailhouse Christianity. Mm -hmm. Maybe he did. But what we should be saying is encouraging. Yes. Strengthening him. Yes. Maybe, you know, while we can't, and, and this is a, once again a fine line, but we can point out wrong. Judging is not, I don't care what the modern church says. If I look at LJ and say, Brother, I love you, but what you're doing is wrong, mm -hmm. that's not judging. No. Saying wrong is not judging. Judging, what does the judge do in a court of law? He's the one that. Put the sentence on. That's what's wrong. We are bought into a bill of goods in the church, and we do sit down on our blessed behind, and we want to be politically and we don't tell. Wrong is still wrong, but not today. And of course, yes, as I hear all the time, well, the Bible says there'll be a day when they call good evil and evil good. Yeah, we're living in those days, but also does the Bible tell us to encourage, to strengthen, and to speak the right words? And maybe if we speak the right word long enough and often enough, as my grandpa says, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And unfortunately, the church has been silent. The church doesn't want to call sin sin anymore. And I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about in the church. Come on, come on, preach it. Of course, I don't listen to a lot of Christian TV because. Well, I'm not going to say why, but you know I don't. But when I did, I didn't hear about hell. You're okay, I'm okay. Yeah. I don't feel okay right now the way things are going. Yeah, I know in the end I win, but I'm sorry. So things are not looking good right now. Why not call it what it is? But no, we want to, in being politically correct, and if we're not politically correct, we're the ones wrong. Yes, we should favor everything with love. But I'm sorry, once again, back to that constructive criticism. You know, the truth only hurts. Everyone's heard the saying, the truth hurts. No, the truth is not hurt. According to the word, the truth sets you free. I've changed. This is my take on the truth hurts. The truth only hurts as it should. And believe you me, ladies and gentlemen, I've had some truthful hurt in my life. As I told you before, when I accepted the Lord, it was one of the best times of my life. I wasn't sick. No one in my family was sick. I was making more money than I ever made. I had two new cars in the driveway. I was My life was exactly where I needed to be. I didn't feel any great boys. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anyone tell me, 
Well, you know why you're living in Rome. In fact, as I've shared before, lived in Jackson County since 1980. And this was 1999. Was never invited to church one time. Not that that's, that's the wrong thing we do too. We want to invite people to church, but don't we need to be asking you know Jesus? Yeah, that's right. Come on, you can sit here until you wear the pew out. If you don't accept Christ as your Savior, you're wrong. But if you've been in church your whole life, if you've never done any of what we think of the big sin, you're not going to think. And if you've always been told, you're, well, you're a good person. You're just a good person. Guess what? And you may be a good person. But being good does not get you anywhere. What you need to be told, no matter how good you are, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're lost. That's the right word. Right. The ones that need to hear how good they're doing is the ones that haven't been doing good but are doing better. Mm -hmm. That's encouragement. That's the positive word. And then the same respect, if they slip back, they need to be told they're slipping back and doing wrong. And once again, and on the thought of thinking too highly of ourselves are being told we're so good. And this is probably where I should run. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. To me, this is probably the greatest warning in the, in the Word of God to thinking too highly of yourself and to thinking you're above reproach. In this first Corinthians 10 and 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand, take heed, lest he fall. And I could have read several others using Israel as an example. But basically, in a nutshell, what that says to me, the moment you think you can do no wrong and that you've got it all figured out, guess what? You're fixing to fall. And when I say fall, I don't necessarily mean fall from the way from the Lord. But does, isn't there a proverb that says, uh, oops, I just lost it. But, you know, there's a, there's a difference between being humble and being haughty. As someone once told me, you know, is it wrong with me? I'm really proud of what my children are doing. But the, the, the Bible says, pride the sin. I said, no, that's, that, that's not the sin. We should be proud when our children are doing good. But, when you get to the point that you think you can do no wrong, you're fooling yourself. And that's when you open yourself up for fall. And with those words that we just we just read a while ago, or we just read here, wherefore let him that thinketh. Notice it says, thinketh he stands. And, we'll, and I'm not going to turn to the second time. Y'all let's go to Romans chapter 12. Look at Romans chapter 12. This is how we should think. Pretty sure I'm in the right place. Because this is not in my original. It's not well. Yeah, Romans 12 and 3. For I say through the grace given, grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt every man a measure of faith. Not to think more highly, but also it doesn't say to think lowly of himself, to think soberly, the word soberly just with a sound mind. 
when you know that you're doing all that the Lord required you right then, when you're doing the best, no, that's not true. That's a cop out. I think that when you know you're doing the best you can, we should have a little higher opinion of God. We're children of God. When you know you are born, let me put it this way. When you know you are born again, you should think a little higher than yourself than you did before you were saved. It doesn't say that not to have a high opinion, not to think more highly than you should. Otherwise, don't think you're better. Or as we just read in 1 Corinthians, he that thinketh he stands. And the same respect, let me twist this back around. I don't think I'm, I'm reaching here. But when it says, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, what, do we, what forms our thoughts for ourselves as I said what people say about us? When you constantly hear either how bad you are or how good you are, it's hard to have a, a, a positive opinion of yourself. Isn't that what's saying here? So let me, and this is an end of the word, let me put it this way. Stop listening to what's being said about you and do, as I said earlier, the word of God that is David, ask Lord what he thinks of you. And be man or woman enough, man or woman enough, to take him. You know, everyone says, well, any answer you need right here. But when you go to this word, and it is, I believe that all, I've never one time needed an answer that I couldn't find it here. But guess what? I didn't go looking for John's answer. I don't I don't know the Lord in prayer. It's always, always, I got out of that always, always expecting to hear just what I wanted to. I try to go to this word seeking the Lord's answer, and I try to go in prayer seeking His voice. Because guess what? You can find anything you want to justify in here. The world does it all the time. Mm -hmm. Just like Sister Jan was talking about this morning, we leave part of it out that sounds good. Yeah. And I've heard it a dozen times. And, yeah, I've even heard it here. Well, just resist the devil, he'll flee. Yeah, he will. If you do the first part of that verse, What's the first part of that verse, Sister Karen? Submit. You have to submit. Submit yourself unto God and resist the devil. The devil is not afraid of us. No. We've been told that our, well, as long as you're born again, you're spirit of God, the devil can't touch you. But you can let him. Mm -hmm. When you submit yourself to God, once again, what have you been told all along in church? Do you believe? Yeah. Yeah, as I heard someone recently say, the worst heard, the, the worst words ever preached is once saved, always saved. Many people believe that. If you truly, and if you've been told that long enough, and if you've submitted under that long enough, mm -hmm. you're going to believe it. Rightfully so. Just like many other things that the church has been told. And this isn't a fault-finding thing, but anything that you think the church has said should line up with this. Amen. As I say all the time, as, as the brother said this morning, I don't care how good you look, I don't care how good your suit is, don't care how well you speak, how well you enunciate, and if you're in a Pentecost church, if you can yell at the right time, if you can get all excited and jump up on the pews, that really gets us going. And if it's of the Lord, guess what? It really gets us going. But if it's not of the Lord, we know it. Yeah. But regardless of what we've always heard, and that's the thing, Today's society, more than anything, we take things so at face value. When, right here, all we got to do, you know, of course, no, nah, I'm going to say it. 
We can find the information, but you have to be careful what information you're looking for. Yeah. I'll give you a little piece of advice about search engines, especially Google. Guess what? The first five are paid for. When you do a Google search, the first five things that pop up are quite often paid for that whatever. If you want to know things of the Word, have a good Bible app. If you want to find something in the Bible, don't ask Google or Siri. Have a good Bible app and just search it. Mm -hmm. I wish I'd have brought tonight my strong concordance. Any of you that have one with a book about that thick, and the reason they call it exhaustive is it's exhausting to carry it. For years, that's what I used when I wanted to find a verse because it has every word of the Bible in it. I have picked that big old book. I still use it sometimes because I'm old school. But now I can just open this up, search, type in one word. Everywhere that word is in the Bible is right here. Yeah. So why would you use Google or Siri when you go right to the Word of God? Because it's easy. Mm -hmm. Age of convenience. We are living in such a time that everything is so easy, and we want it easy. As I've shared with you before, I'm the type that stands in front of the microwave and says, hurry up. I want it now. You know, what's that commercial? It's my money and I want it now. It's my, my burrito and I want it now. We're the same way with the word. And I don't mean to offend anyone. That's like your brother said, no, I love your turning pages. And yes, I have a Bible. I just mentioned it. I use it when I study when I'm in church, I don't want to use my phone. I want to turn the pages. Mm -hmm. it, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. If that's what you do, that's between you and God. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong. But what, but what I am saying, when we have need of an answer from God, yes, that app on your phone is, is a Bible. And, that, and you have to believe that it's the Word of God. I say again, wouldn't it be more convenient to go something that just pure and simply searches this? But we've been told, and rightfully so, we need to use, and, and I think it's fitting and proper, we need to use everything the Lord has blessed and given us with. But there comes balance to everything, and I know I've gotten totally off track of where I was going, because I was talking about words. But let me ask you this. You know, I stated earlier that I truly believe we can uh, shape some of the opinion of themselves with our words. Is that not what it's saying in Proverbs, the 18th chapter, verse 21? Everyone there, please turn to Proverbs 20, 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know, when we were kids, we said, well, stick and stone, they break my words, but words will never hurt me. Words are far more hurtful than sticks and stone. Because I was a mean little kid. Since Karen talked about how mean she was, but you know, my dad would never whip me. When I do something wrong, he'd say, get in the truck, boy. And we'd start riding the, the back road, and he'd lecture. He'd tell me, every, bring up everything I've done wrong the last six months, and just lecture to me, tell me, well, you know better than that. 
You know why he did that? Because he knew I would think about them words. But if he had a bust at my backside, as soon as the stinging quit, it was through. <laughs> That's why paddling in school never affected me. But that teacher that would, you stay after class, and would tell me what I did wrong and why. And explain to me why I shouldn't have done that and what I should have done. That's what affected because words last forever. So yeah, words are far more powerful than we think. If you don't think what you say hurts and has a lasting effect, go outside on a windy day and take your feather pillow, rip it up and throw it up in there. Then go back and gather every one of those feathers. Words are just like that. You can never get them back. Yeah, you might apologize for them and you might be forgiven for them, but the effect of those words are still there. I like to say it doesn't, but here I am, 62 years old. And I can still hear the last word my grandfather said to me. You know, he had a massive stroke, and he wasn't in his right mind. He said he was trying to get up out of bed. He said, let me up, boy, let me up. I said, Grandpa, you can't get up. You just need to lay down with the doctor. And I can't say the word he used. He said, Mike, if you would, if you'd just let me, you don't want me to get up. And the last word he said. He died when I was 24 years old. I'm now 62. And them words are still as fresh. When I think about them, they still hurt just as much. I know he didn't mean anything mean by it, but the words, you could if you would just let me. You don't want me to. But no, words don't affect you. So the most awful words we, will, we may ever hear, and it's words, it's not just written words, the ones the, 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 the phrase I do not want to hear more than anything. You can tell me I'm a terrible preacher. You cannot come and hear me when I speak. You cannot like what I say. Your word doesn't matter. The, the word I hope to avoid more than anything is apart from if I never knew you. Right. And we all know what those words are for. And for some, a lot of real good people. A lot of real good, faithful church people hear the word because they bought in so many other words. Yeah. Well, the Lord understands. He knows your heart. Yeah, He does know your heart. But He also gave you the strength not to do it. He yeah. gave you His word. Speaking of the word, when we stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I didn't know that was wrong. My church never taught against that. You think, Lord, oh, that's okay. I understand. She's going to say, no. You had my word. Yeah. Even better, you had my spirit. Yeah. Depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah. And, these, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing words that he taught the people that were doing his work. You can preach to your blue in the face. You can lead thousands to Christ and be lost yourself. God wants you the donkey. I shared with you before, I was in the service where I saw a pastor come forward on the invitation. But he realized that night, even though he had went to Bible college, grew up in church, and never had a drop of alcohol, and never smoked a cigarette, and never done drugs. He, and it was pastoring you know, a successful church at those meetings. But he realized that night, he had never accepted Christ himself. He thought because he had always went to church, he went to Bible college, he was saved. Something that night, that preacher said, the Holy Spirit to stir his heart. Yes, it's quite awful what the preacher says. Because we, we need to hear that word. We need to sometimes be led in that prayer. But ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that stirs our heart. 
to live in those words. That's why I quite often say, Lord, let something I say land upon a receiving heart. But our words do matter. Our words affect us more than we'll, we'll admit. But we need to be careful what we say, how we say it, and when we say it. And not saying it is probably more harmful than saying it. But that's what really my fear is with that scripture I alluded to in James where it says, I desire that not many of you become teachers or preachers to become more accountable. What's scary, and I'm looking at the preachers tonight, not only will we be held accountable for what we say, but even more so what we don't say. If you don't think your words matter, it matters to you, it matters to others. I'm so thankful that I heard the voice of the Lord say, it doesn't matter what you've done. You can come to me. That was my mindset because of what I'd always heard. But I thought you had to be all cleaned up when you come to church. I thought you had to have the white clothes. You had to not have any bad habits. That's not what the Lord came for. Bring all your dirty laundry. Bring. I would love to walk in that door and the smell of alcohol be so sick it makes you Turn your stomach. And that would mean there was some drunk in there that needed Jesus. Amen. But do we really feel like that? Do we just say that that is church words and stuff? And I want to close with this thought. You know, we're talking a lot of talk about witnessing this morning. Yes, we should we should talk to people. That's what this message is supposed to be about words. We should talk to people about the Lord. But you know the greatest witness and the greatest testimony of a past is how you act and what you do. You know, as, as once again, my grandpa, he was not a church-going man, but he said, son, just because someone mouthfuls and posts like a good book doesn't mean any word comes out of anyone can quote scripture. Anyone can memorize a verse and say it. I, I will bet you, you probably would, it'd be hard pressed to meet 10 people in Newport that couldn't quote John 3.15. Just because they voice doesn't mean it. But, but your actions, the way you live your life, that's what speaks volumes. Words are, are far more than what we speak. Isn't it say actions are speak louder than words? What you do is as important as what you say. When you do it, it's as important as what you do. The world is waiting to see us stumble. The world is waiting to see a Christian fail. That's why every time I hear about a pastor stumbling and falling, yes, my heart breaks that person, but what hurts me more is the damage done to the church. It's one more reason people don't want to come to the Lord. So what do we say to that person that says, why should I come to the Lord? Why did you, you know, well, I, I don't know why you should, but let me tell you why I did. And guess what? They're not only going to know then, they're going to know it by how you, how you act. As I told you before, this is my greatest time of witness is during the worst time of my life. How a Christian we act. Like I told my boss the other day, I said, you know, no. But anyway, a Christian should be your best employee. Why? Because if they're truly a Christian, 
their work is done to, like I work, their work is done to the Lord. That's where we need to. And yes, we need to encourage people to do the best they can. If they're truly doing the best they can, but not give them false hope. Our words will matter greatly to what we say. When we witness to somebody, don't just, yeah, I like that one. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forgive the scripture. Let us see your heart. Let us see what the Lord has done for you. And then when what they see matches with what you hear, that's when the Holy Scripture is working. But once again, I'm sorry this does sound hard. But as I said a while ago, now if the Lord puts on your heart to give them the Scripture, that's fine. But I've had many people come say, I don't want to hear that Bible stuff. I want to see that Bible stuff. Anyway, I've had a, a, a sinner tell me that a lot of those times. But yeah, you can quote through Scripture all day long. But that word's not going to help me a bit. Let me see something. <clears throat> and guess what? A few days after that, not even this person said this. Saw me do something. And he said, you really believe that stuff you've been saying out something. I said, what are you talking about? And he was brought to my remembrance. I said, yeah, I believe. I said, the Lord will provide. That's what it was. The Lord... I said, the Lord will provide whatever need you have and you trust in him. He saw me give somebody something just out of the blue. He said, you believe that stuff, don't you? I said, yeah. Opened his heart to the word. Me quoting that scripture to him, me trying to encourage him didn't do anything. So my word fell on deaf ears because he was at a point in his life that he needed more than just words. He needed to see the word in action. And I'm sure they don't, but like I said, I'll go ahead and say, does anyone need prayer? This isn't anywhere near what I thought it would be, but I said what the Lord put on my heart. That's one thing I've learned from this man. Say what you feel the Lord wants you to say. I could have stuck to my nose, and this probably would have sounded better, but I spoke from my heart. So if everyone's okay, say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.